welcome back to another fun and exciting episode of the Wannabe Hunting Podcast, the family-friendly hunting podcast. This is your host, Amos Medford. Thank y'all for tuning in today. I appreciate you joining in and listening. Today, I'm excited to talk a little Florida hunting with Ryan Boyd, and uh, he's got some cool stuff going on. If you're not following him on Instagram, check him out. It's just at Quick Catch, and um, he actually has a wildlife removal business, so there's some there's some crazy stuff on there. There's some cool stuff on there and uh, some good hunting stuff as well. So give him a follow there and check out his YouTube as well. It's just, it's a wildlife. Um, again, wildlife removal, hunting. Uh, he and his wife have triplet boys. So you can imagine uh, why it's called It's a Wildlife. So that's pretty awesome. I uh, really enjoyed talking with Ryan. Um, he, he really majored on... Um, keeping priorities straight when it comes to hunting, especially when it comes to hunting big, giant bucks that uh, that consume our our minds and uh, eventually our time if we let them. So it's pretty cool. <coughs> excuse me, to see how he pointed out that uh, keeping priorities straight um, makes all the difference sometimes. So awesome stuff from Ryan. Y'all are gonna enjoy it and enjoy him. So let's uh, jump right into it. Uh, before we do, I do want to thank our sponsor, Anabolic Grow. Um, great folks there. If you want more information, you can jump back to episode, or excuse me, season one, episode 27. Listen to my conversation with Todd Karen as we jump all into the nuts and bolts of what it is, what it does. But the short version is it helps you make the most of your food plots. So whether you're like me with a quarter acre here, half acre there, uh, spreading out some throw and grow. It can definitely help uh, maximize your results there. Or if you've got acres and acres of corn or beans or um, doing some serious stuff with clover and stuff like that, it's going to help you maximize the nutrition, maximize the appeal to the wildlife, especially those deer and turkeys in your area. So check Anabolic Grow out at Anabolic Grow on Instagram. Check out their website, anabolicgrow.com. You can always use Wannabe Hunting 10 to save a few bucks to check out, but also check out their latest post. You'll see what current sales and specials they're running. So thanks to Anabolic Grow for sponsoring as always. Let's jump into this one with Ryan Boyd. Welcome back to the Wannabe Hunting Podcast. Today I'm excited to be joined by Ryan Boyd, a fellow Floridian. So uh, how's it going, man? It's going good, man. It's going good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Just uh, taking a little lunch break and looking forward to talking a little deer hunting and uh, maybe getting some uh, some pointers along the way from you. We'll we'll see what we can learn. Well, likewise, I think no matter how long you've been hunting, um, I think you can learn from each other. You know, whether you're a beginner or you've been doing it for 15 years, every yeah. time I get in the tree stand, I feel like I, I definitely learned something. And that's what keeps me going. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. Every time I get in a tree stand, I feel like I'm reminded that I don't really know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, none of us do. We get, I think we get lucky, and sometimes, you know, we're good, and, you know, you'd rather be lucky than good. Yeah, always exactly. learn something. Yeah, I sat the same stand Saturday and Monday afternoons, and um, just had had, like, almost opposite winds each night. And uh, from where they came out Saturday, they winded me. And so I was like, oh, it's the opposite wind. They'll come out right there. It'll be perfect. And they came out from the other way and still winded me. So, 
<laughs> I've had a problem with that this year too with the wind. It just seems like we're where we hunt. Um, we're in Hamilton County in Jennings, Florida, and we've got a, a lot of topography. So there's it's really hilly for Florida. It doesn't feel like Florida, kind of Alabama, uh, Western Georgia, but you know, the, the wind can be supposed to be blowing one direction. And in the evening, you know, those thermals will kind of sink down to the lower, lower areas. And I've learned that um, that's a tough hunt. You know, the deer will be in a field that's lower than where I'm at. And uh, the wind will be supposed to be blowing in my face. And all of a sudden I feel that was kind of a big issue. It's been a big issue for me this year is trying to just trying to figure out that wind. Yeah, it's crazy. Cause you know, I mean, I'm checking apps and, you know, weather.com and everything else you know trying to figure it out but uh you know sometimes it can still get you <laughs> absolutely and you know being in florida you're trying to do as much scent control as you can possibly do i mean i'm showering i'm you know washing all my clothes and scent free scent free dryer sheets deodorant brushing my teeth mouthwash and you get up there in five minutes in the stand you're just soaking wet so it's like you do it all because you feel like you've done something, but you're still, you know, you're smelling, you know, those deer, you just can't beat their nose at this time of year until it starts cooling off. Oh yeah. When I pulled up Monday, the homeowner was about 60 yards from the tree where I was headed, uh, picking up branches from the storm. And, uh, so I couldn't, I couldn't just walk by and, uh, not help. So I helped him for about 45 minutes and that didn't help the sweat, but, uh, anyway, I was, I was happy well, to I'm, I'm That was nice of you. <laughs> I'm appreciative of the opportunity. I figured as long as he was picking up that close to my stand, you know, it wasn't going to do me any good to get up there until he was gone anyway. So I helped him out, helped both of us yeah. out. <laughs> well, that's good. But uh, anyway, man, I, I'm, I'm kind of jumping in. I, I usually don't, don't jump in quite like that, but I want to give you a chance to actually introduce yourself and uh, just kind of give everybody an idea of who you are and uh, where you're from. Yeah, so I'm Ryan Boyd. I was born and raised in uh, born in Jacksonville, but raised in St. Augustine, Florida. St. Augustine's one of the oldest, uh, well, the oldest city in North America, um, or in in uh, United States. Really cool city, a lot of history. I love it. Um, we've moved from there since then, just because it's so populated now. It's not what it was when I was a kid, but um, you know, grew up hunting and fishing. Um, my dad hunted, um, and so I he started taking me along when I was about four years old. And so as long as I can remember, I've been in the woods. Um, and so I, as I got a little older and, and uh, you know, 16, started driving and started, you know, getting, um, started working, doing jobs, I realized I worked in retail for a while and I realized that, um, you know, working inside was not for me. I liked working with people, liked helping people. I liked sales, but I wasn't a guy that really liked to be inside. I wanted to be outside. I wanted to kind of every day be a little bit different. And so I, I just looked through the phone book. I said, what can I do that I enjoy doing? And I said, I love animals. I love wildlife. Um, when I was actually 12 years old, I caught my first hog with a homemade snare. I began trapping and I was just absolutely obsessed with anything trapping, trying to outsmart animals, um, primitive trapping. So yeah, I caught my first hog with a homemade snare. Um, had no idea what to do with it. I couldn't believe I caught it. So I went home and grabbed my dad and we went, and it was just a little block of woods across the street from our house. And he helped me turn it loose. And man, ever since then I was hooked, like close, wasn't close enough. I had to be hands-on. And so when I was about 16, 17, I looked through the phone book and found a, a job description, you know, posting for an ad, um, for a position available, animal removal. And so I called and I 
the, basically the guy hired me over the phone. I worked with him for about two years and then I started my own company called Quick Catch and we're based in Jacksonville, St. Augustine. And that's what we do is wildlife removal. We remove animals from places they shouldn't be. And a really cool part, my favorite part of what we do is we'll get wild hog calls where these hogs are tearing up neighborhoods, um, communities, you know, big developments or pre-developments. And with that comes, these places are not hunted. So these are places like uh, nature preserves that don't allow hunting, neighborhoods that, you know, there's not hunting. And so not only do the hogs get overpopulated, but the deer get overpopulated as well. So believe it or not, we have properties that pay us to come out and hunt the deer. And, you know, I tell people that and they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, it's the best. It does. It feels illegal. You know, you're getting paid for every deer that you shoot. So it's really cool. Um, and I love that part of, it. I love doing what we do, but yeah, I've been in the woods and anything wildlife hunting related. I've been full immersion since I was about four years old. That's awesome, man. Um, yeah. Once, uh, once we stop recording, I'll have to talk to you a little bit more about that. <laughs> cool. I'm sure, you, I'm sure you get that all the time. It's like, Oh, I got a list. <laughs> yeah, you got I got list. a waiting list. Yeah, man. <laughs> that's awesome, man. No, that's super cool. And, and like you said, they're right at the beginning. Um, you know, St. Augustine and Jacksonville are not what they were uh, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, and not even five years ago. It's crazy. Um, you know, so just a minute ago, kind of the side of town I live on, it's toward the south. And, you know, St. Augustine and where I live, everything in between there is connecting now. I mean, it's just, and it used to be nothing. So it's yeah, it used to be nothing. It was just dirt roads, you know, like a lot of the dirt roads I rode down, and we even we were just talking about the other day. We used to do hay rides for uh, for Halloween. We jump on the back of a trailer full of hay, and we do all these hay rides, and all that's just it's paved and it's you know built up, and you can't really do that anymore. But um, you know, all my fishing spots growing up, they're pretty much built up or fished out, um, and my hunting spots, you know, they're all. Uh, they're all pretty much built up, but the good thing is, is it's good and bad. It's good for me for job security because development means displaced wildlife, whether that be deer, hogs, or venomous snakes or rats, you know, um, we do all that. We handle all that type of stuff. Um, so there is job security there. Um, the development is just unbelievable. And these animals have less and less places to go, less and less habitat. So there's a lot more human animal um, encounters. And that's when we kind of step in and and help out with that yeah yeah it's crazy there's a place um you'll know where this is jacksonville um not 10 minutes from my house on old st augustine road and there's like three i call them new developments a couple of them are probably 10 years old and one of them probably five years old and there's a little patch of woods and just just the other day i saw a doe that got hit by a car and it's like man yeah you know, you just I, know, I hate that. You can tell they used to have acres and acres of woods right there, and they just don't have it anymore. They're going to go somewhere. Something's going to happen. So it stinks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it does. It's, it's yeah. sad. Um, but that's, you know, that's kind of what we did is we, we moved out here and we bought some acreage. We've got a little over 250 acres and absolutely loaded with deer. Um, in fact, we've got too many deer. So we're trying to, um, you know, trying to thin a, a good amount of the numbers out right now because we've got, just a little bit too high of a carrying capacity. Uh, we're, we're exceeding our carrying capacity for what's on our property right now, which is a good thing. You know, we'll have tons and tons of meat this year. Um, 
Yep. But you know, as, as far as seeing the, 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 it seems like the less deer you have, um, the healthier those deer are that are remaining because they've got a lot more food source. You know, your bigger bucks aren't having to fight as much, um, you know, to, to, uh, to breed those does. You know, you got when there's so many does, your inferior bucks are breeding does. And we try, I think we've got a few more bucks than we do does this year, which is the first year we've seen that. Usually we've had a lot more does, but this year we're, we've got a lot of bucks we need to take out. And, um, man the buck that i hunted this this that i just killed um there's probably one other buck that i hunted harder for than this buck but as far as just hours in the stand um this guy he just man he he sent me through the ringer <laughs> i kind of knew going into it i was going to spend a lot of time hunting this buck he was just super smart but oh man yeah it was it was quite a quite an quite a process finally yeah yeah, that's awesome. And of course, I saw the picture, you know, online or whatever. Like, holy moly, you know, that is a serious buck, you know, especially here in Florida. I mean, you, you know, I'm not ashamed of our deer, but, <laughs> you know, you pictures, you know, mother, you know, yeah, all that. And it, like, it was a, it was a good picture, too. You know, you take 50 pictures and you, and you pick the best one that makes it's got the best angle that makes him look. I try not to post anything that makes them look bigger than they are, but try to you know the camera it's sometimes it's hard to capture that size so i try to get a picture that makes them look as big as they are but this picture that i posted there probably the one that you saw it was pretty flattering you know for him he looked bigger than he was i think he scored 143 and one eighth i think wow. is what he uh what he scored gross yeah that's that's crazy that is awesome <laughs> yeah yeah he was a good buck super smart just super too smart yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the ones that, you know, I know will consume you. I mean, not, you know, I'm really not speaking from, from personal experience. Um, but, uh, you know, I've killed one buck and um, two deer in my career about five years. But, um, but I, you know, when you see those stories and hear those stories, it's kind of those, those ones that are smart. Even if, you know, almost like even if they're not the biggest one if they're just the one that you kind of can't, can't pin down, they'll, you know, they'll really get in your mind. <laughs> yeah. And you, you know, you said it best, it kind of consumes you. And so just to kind of tell you the story about this year, I've been watching him since, uh, you know, since early summer, um, he was in velvet. I knew he was just a big, pretty symmetrical, um, dominant buck. And, you know, as soon as he pretty much was close to fully, fully developing, I said, man, I want to kill that buck that's the buck I want. And I want to try to kill him in velvet. That would be just a beautiful mount, beautiful, just a beautiful buck in velvet. He was gorgeous. And so, um, you know, I, I, our season starts in August. And so opening day, uh, I was there, I was hunting him every single evening. He really wasn't, I wasn't seeing him on camera or anything in the mornings, um, pretty much just in the evenings and then after dark. Um, so I hunted him just about every evening for about two weeks straight. And, we, we, I was sitting in an overgrown food plot and this food plot was probably a little less than chest high, probably like, you know, belly button high. And so the deer would feed in it and they would be pretty comfortable out in it. Um, so he was coming, hanging out in this one corner. I had him kind of coming from one side to the other side, just about every evening. And so the first evening I set up on this food plot, I'm up in a live oak tree, uh, tucked in there in a lock on stand and a few does come out and, you know, probably about 30 minutes before dark him and another buck, I see a younger buck come out and he's been hanging out with this younger buck. 
and I see this younger buck and my heart starts, you know, racing. I'm like, I know he's, I know he's here with this other deer. He's always hanging out with this other deer. And then I see his head pop up, you know, through the tall um, food plot. I'm like, here he comes. He's coming in. He's coming in straight towards me. Well, he get, they both get about 80 yards, 80, 90 yards in this doe. And like I said earlier, you know, the wind, I've been trying to, I've been having problems with the wind shifting this year and the wind's blowing straight in my face. And all of a sudden, for some reason, this doe that's about, I don't know, 60 yards to my right, she just feel like this is the perfect time just to blow and alarm everything in the field. So she blows and he turns around and just, he's one of those deer that if something blows, he's, he's not going to check out, stay and kind of see what's going on. He's gone. So that's what he did. He turned that flag up through that tail up and took off and I never saw him again that evening. And then I hunted him a couple more times from that stand and he was hanging out on the other side of the food plot. So I ended up putting a ground blind on that side of the food plot. And that first night that I set that ground blind, I probably had a dozen bucks within bow range that I could have shot with my bow. Um, and he comes in, you know, 30 minutes before dark, he does kind of a loop in between, like, you know, 30 yards out. He just does a loop, never stops, never gives me a shot. He kind of comes in facing me, turns, walks away and he stands out there like a hundred yards and he's licking himself and grooming himself, shaking his antlers back and forth, you know, shaking his head mm -hmm. and just teasing me, just teasing me for probably 15 minutes. He did that. I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, I could have shot him with a rifle. And then <laughs> there was a period after that evening, there was a period of time where I didn't see him for like, I don't know, at least three weeks. I, I didn't see him at all. I mean, I saw him on camera and he would, he would be there when I wasn't there, but every time I'd sit, I'd see plenty of deer, but I just never saw him. And it came to a point where, like you said earlier, it consumes you. And I realized that my priorities weren't right. Um, you know, my, I've always, I always say God, family, business, recreation, that's the priority list. And that's how your priorities need to be. And I realized that that my priority list. And I that when I kind of caught myself like sometimes you don't know you're doing that you just you're just hunting them so hard you don't realize that your priorities are out of line it's like oh it's hunting season I'm gonna hunt but when I started realizing that I wasn't thinking hey how how's this gonna affect my family did I spend time with my kids today did I ask my wife like hey do we have anything planned or do I just tell her I'm hunting this evening like mm -hmm. that's when I kind of realized that my, my priorities are out of line and so I stopped hunting him for about a week, week and a half. And part of that was because it was raining every single day. So that, you know, <laughs> that was part of it, but it, it allowed me to kind of realign my priorities and realize that I was putting this deer before I was putting my relationship with Jesus. And that's something that's important to me. And, you know, I just, I prayed, I just laid it at the cross. I said, you know, I don't, some people listen and might not be believers and, you know, maybe a lot of them are. And, even if you're not like nobody can deny that Jesus was a great teacher. He was a, he was a leader. He cared for others. He was compassionate and he respected everyone. Always. That's the biggest thing is respect everyone always in today's society. I think that's super absent. You know, we we're quick to judge. We're, you know, we affiliate ourselves based on who we voted for and not to get into a big thing politically, but that was, you know, I try to align myself with how Jesus treated people and how he, how he cared for others. And so um, that's what I did. I just said, you know, I, I pray goodness. I said, God, I feel like I put this deer before you and um, forgive me. You know, I, I'm putting you first and I'm just laying all this at the cross. And so I kind of got, you know, everything back in alignment. And I think 
the next it, it, it wasn't the next time I hunted because I was thinking, all right, now that everything's in alignment, maybe I'll kill this buck. Well, it didn't happen. I think it was the second time. Yeah, because I set a climber. And I set, a, I set this climber, and I saw the buck. He came in. Uh, but the same thing happened. My wind shifted again, and it was blowing kind of instead of in my face like it was supposed to. It blew down into this draw where these deer were hanging out, and one doe blew, and it kind of just blew everybody out of the field. And so – this next night, um, I think it was a couple nights after, I had my family out. My family was out at the property, my dad and mom, and Glorianne was actually sitting this stand on the other side of the field for where I was sitting. I, I ended up sitting in a, uh, a tree saddle, and this was my first time ever mm-hmm. hunting a tree saddle. Um, and to be honest with you, I'm not a huge fan of the tree saddle. I think that there's probably a lot of things I still need to learn, but to me... Um, it's difficult this particular tree i was in had a lot of limbs a lot of lower limbs and so when you're climbing up with a tree saddle you kind of disconnect and connect every time you go over a limb so anyway i i went in there and i put up everything earlier in the day i mean my camera arm my bow holder everything i could i put it up earlier so that all i'd have to do is just slip in there um when it came time to hunt and my my wife was sitting in this other stand and she had kind of another angle um and she was filming from that big box stand and so i got up in this tree in my tree saddle and uh, i put some corn out you know we're allowed to bait here in florida and uh you know without that it's very difficult because anybody that's ever florida like it's either like it's either a man-made clearing or it's as thick as a brick wall um for the most part and so it you know even baiting it's still very difficult sometimes to kill these target deer um and this guy is a perfect example so i put out some corn about 20 22 yards and um you know it seemed like just a few minutes after getting the stand i had some does come in had some does come in front and does come in from behind me and i think i had another nice buck that came in but he wasn't my target and i was like i really don't want to shoot this buck he was uh I think he was a big eight point, um, but I wasn't sure if he's three or four years old. And I try to, I try to let him get to four years old just to, um, to, you know, especially bigger deer. Like it's very in Florida, especially like if somebody sees a two-year-old 10 point, I don't know a person that's going to pass on that two-year-old 10 point. But the reality is, is that's the deer that needs to be breeding. He needs to be out there breeding instead of, you know, allowing a two-year-old six point or a three-year-old six point. You know, people will pass on that because they're waiting for an eight or a 10 point. But these older inferior bucks, that's the ones you need to take out and let these other deer breed. So that being said, we try to let them get to at least four years old, these nicer, you know, big, pretty bucks just to get that good genetics out there. And so that's I passed on this particular eight point waiting on the big boy, the the 11. Um, Mm -hmm. And so he he finally I see him come in. I can't see anything to my left. I've got a big just the entire canopy of the tree is like to my left blocking my view so i couldn't see him coming that's where he came from and all of a sudden bam he's right there and my heart is beating out of my like just a kid at disney i'm like man you got to calm down dude because i usually don't get emotional and i usually don't get super excited when it comes to like my heart will pound you know i get the adrenaline rush no matter how many hogs or how many deer i shoot up 500 hogs with my bow but I still get excited, but nothing like this. This I was like, man, you got to just control yourself, dude. So I took a minute. And I just said, I'll get excited later. Like, calm down. Just don't even look at the deer. Control your breathing first. And so I controlled my breathing, and I, I got to where my heart rate was down a little bit. And 
you know, I get settled and I, you know, there was that, there was probably about eight or 10 deer there under me. So I had a lot of eyeballs. Um, but luckily where I was at, I was in this tree. I was tucked in there really nice. So I could get away with some movement. It was kind of breezy, which is awesome. You know, for a bow hunter, that light breeze saves you. And so I got drawn back. He was quartering away. Perfect. And I shot. And as soon as I shot, my arrow went about four inches to the right of where I was aiming. And as soon as I shot, I go, Oh crap. And I looked and the arrow actually hit him in the neck right in front of the shoulder and as, as he's running off, blood is just gushing out. So I'm like, oh, thank you, Lord. Like at first, I was like, I screwed up bad. But luckily, I hit him right in that carotid or jugular that artery, and he he bled out, and he went down at about 50, 60 yards, and, uh, and there he was. But I went back and shot my bow, and something was going on with that particular arrow. It was shooting to the right, and I don't know what it was. It wasn't the broadhead. Um, those Grim Reaper, I use Grim Reaper broadheads and they're the most consistent broadhead of any broadhead I've ever used. And I've used just about all of them. I haven't used all of them. You know, there's a lot of, but I've used all the main broadheads that are pretty popular. And I mean, Grim Reapers are just swinging a chainsaw out there. As Pigman says, it's even a marginal shot. You're going to, it's going to typically do enough damage with that white tail extreme to, uh, to really, to put them down and put them down quick. And that's my goal, you know, as a bow hunter, I want to make a quick kill you know i don't want that animal to suffer i want him to go down as quick as not even know what hit him and so luckily i hit him right there in that artery and he bled out really quick and it was an incredible blood trail and um man got my hands on him and i, I just couldn't believe it you know it was just like yeah. you said those bucks that you spend the most time on pursuing those are the ones that are typically the most rewarding and we got it all on film. I got the GoPro. I got another angle from my wife filming. I had my camcorder going. So I got like three angles and um, we've got a YouTube series called it's a wildlife. And uh, we do a lot of the animal removal, a lot of wildlife removal, but we do a lot of hunting and kind of catch clean and cook type of videos on there. And we eat a lot of things. We've eaten Python and rattlesnake and iguana, you know, that we've caught in South Florida and all kind of crazy stuff on the YouTube channel. So this is going to be our next episode. Cool. Yeah. I can't wait to watch it. And I'll, uh, I'll check out some of the, the, uh, current videos as well. That sounds awesome. But that, that's quite a story. That's amazing how it worked out, you know, the shot being off, but, but it worked out. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, as soon as I shot, I was like, Oh my gosh, the worst thing that can happen is I injure this buck, uh, you know, and he goes off and dies and I can't find him or he lives, you know, and then he's twice as smart as he already is. And he's already super smart. So man there for a split second i was i was like this is not good but luckily um i hit him just perfect in the neck and and it yeah. was good so yeah. i've never had, i don't think i've ever had that happen where just that random arrow um you know i i still don't really know what it was i guess the arrow might have been bent or something like that and that's my fault i should have shot with that arrow at the target um before i hunted but that's what we determined it was it was just that arrow must have been bent and um yeah, yeah just a fluke that's pretty well. Glad it all worked out. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about that. That's that's crazy. And I like, you know, so many of the things you said, um, you know, are interesting. Like, I've tried to describe the difficulty of hunting Florida to some folks before. I don't think, I think sometimes when it's from up north, that's what I'm talking about. Corn and everything else. They, like, don't understand mean by how could that be hard trust me um but you know so i appreciate what you said about that and 
um, you know, just the woods being so thick and all that. It's, it's nuts. But uh, Oh, for sure. Especially on the East coast. I mean, it's like, it's either, th- it's, it's typically either thick and dry or it's, it's wet and open. Uh, but some of these places that we manage for deer are, are thick and wet. I mean, a lot of them along the East coast. And yeah. so, you know, yeah. you, if you do find an area that's open enough to bow hunt, it's typically like, it's typically an arrow an, an area, maybe not much bigger than a, like a bedroom. Uh, you know, you got like a 20, 30 yard shot and you're just hoping they come by and, you know, without bait, it's just, it could be impossible. And with bait, it could be next to impossible. Um, so it's just, it's hunting Florida. I would say, I would say, in my opinion, Florida is probably 50 out of 50 on the list of the hardest or worst States to hunt. I would say Florida is down there at the bottom, if not like literally number 50. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And then, uh, and of course, I, you know, I couldn't agree more as far as the priorities and, um, you know, just trying to keep hunting um, in the right spot. You know, it can definitely, and it is seasonal. So it's kind of like, well, it's just for, for these few months. But at the same time, you know, you still can't let it, you know, overtake the things that are, that are more important. So, you know, couldn't agree more yeah. there. And, uh, and then I appreciate what you said about some of your gear. You know, I kind of was going to ask you about, um, stands and stuff and you talked about hunting the lock on you talked about hunting the climber you talked about a box you talked about a ground blind and then you ended up shooting out of a saddle so you pretty much covered everything there that's pretty awesome yeah and I, you know i got i started talking i got kind of excited and i did but you know i i um i realized i i, I was talking a lot there and i kind of didn't specify some of the uh, I was trying to make a long story short, but I prefer a they're Millennium good. tree stand. Um, I do prefer a, a Millennium lock-on. They're just, to me, they're really comfortable. I like a Summit climber. If it's an area where I'm, um, I think Summits are incredibly comfortable once I'm up there. Um, and like I said, this is my first time using that saddle. And I'm, I'm using the Phantom. Um, I think it's a Phantom. I can't remember the the uh, the brand of the saddle that I'm using. If you said it, I would... Um, but it's it's one of the more popular saddles and um to me like i've got lyme disease i i got bit by a wild hog in 2015 Mm. and long story short they think it's lyme disease is what i ended up having or contracted and so um i have a lot of muscle aches and joint pain and um so comfort is is a big thing for me um if i sit sit for more than you know an hour at a time i've got to be able to I really got to be comfortable. I can't sit in a certain position and, um, the saddle, you know, it's comfortable for what it is, but for me, you know, sitting down is, is, uh, is important. Um, but the being able to get to places in the tree that you normally wouldn't really be able to get to the saddle was pretty cool for that. I did like that. And I like being able to swivel around the tree and, you know, I could turn around and, and, uh, kind of move around pretty good. So that was cool. But, but yeah, I'm, I've been shooting a Matthews for several years. Um, I think I'm, I'm shooting a Matthews Verdicts. I've had this bow for about three years, and it's the, the it's my favorite bow that I've ever shot. Um, it's the most accurate bow that I've ever shot. Very, very quiet. And like I said, I'm using Grim Reaper broadheads. Could I mean just just go out and shoot something with a Grim Reaper broadhead, and you'll be hooked. Period. Um, <laughs> shot a lot of other broadheads and had some good results, but as far as consistency, you know, if you're shooting a hundred animals with grim reapers are you shooting 100 animals with any other type of broadhead that i've tried you're just going to have the most consistency with the with the reapers okay that's that's cool i've i've heard that from a couple of people so they've got they've got some good uh, 
That's cool. The other thing, you know, when you're scrolling through Facebook and there's like a Florida Hunters Network, it's pretty cool. You, I'll see a lot of people that are shooting animals with other types of broadheads and they'll say, you know, what, you know, can't find them or need a dog or, you know, what's going, not sure what happened. The think the broadhead opened during deployment. I've never seen that. I've never seen anybody post a problem with a broadhead from a Grim Reaper ever, 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 not once. Yeah. And, um, you know, people all have their favorites and, you know, people, some people like fixed blades and some people like mechanicals. Luckily, Grim Reaper makes both. My wife shoots the fixed blades um, because she's not shooting near the poundage that I am. So penetration is more important for her than cutting diameter. Right. Um, for me, I'm shooting, I think I'm shooting 59 or 60 pounds, but the arrow is moving pretty quick and I shoot a heavier arrow. Um, and that said, um, I think I've got a 75 grain insert in the front and I shoot hundred grain broadheads, but I've got a pretty heavy arrow. So I've used good penetration. So I'm concentrating more on cutting diameter than I am, um, you know, the penetration. Now, if I'm shooting a big boar hog, which I do, you know, hunt a lot of hogs, mm -hmm. then obviously penetration is more important to me than cutting diameter. Uh, because those, those hogs, their skin is super tough. Those shields can stop a, a small caliber bullet. So I'll usually shoot an inch and three eighths broadhead for a big hog. And then I'll shoot a one and three quarter inch whitetail extreme broadhead, uh, Grim River broadhead for whitetails. Okay. Gotcha. No, that's good to know. And, um, here's just the off the wall, which is a different bow, probably different arrow weight and all that, but we pull almost the exact same poundage. Um, what spine arrow do you shoot? Uh, I shoot a 450, um, spine arrow okay gotcha yeah and i know it's there's a lot of, you can do you can do different things with spine so it's not like a one size i was just curious yeah and you know so i use a guy um his name is bradley he works with green acres sporting we're on normandy boulevard on kind of the west side of jacksonville and he's probably one of the only maybe two or three touch my bow I mean, I trust him. You know, I've had people that have messed my bow up and I've gone on hunting trips. In fact, I went to New Zealand several years ago, me and my wife, and this was, I mean, the hunt of a lifetime. And I get there and I shoot and second shot, my arrow explodes. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? And I had no idea what bow shot. Like, it wasn't like here, like New Zealanders, they are do-it-yourselfers. They, they do everything themselves. They work on the bows themselves. And so everybody there was pretty much rifle hunters, but luckily another hunter there, it was a husband and wife and this wife, uh, the wife, she worked with field and stream and she worked, um, in an archery department. So she was actually a bow tech. It just was like the stars aligned. And she's like, let me look at it and come to find out the little string that lifts up your rest. You know, I had a, I have a, a my arrow rest, you know, lifts up when you draw back. And, right. um, so, the little string that lifts that up was too long. And so when I was drawn back, it wasn't up all, or actually when I was firing, when I was releasing the arrow, it was not lowering the arrow. So the arrow was hitting the rest and just exploding or, you know, the arrow was flying. So she took a little piece of dental floss and fixed it. And I was good to go and shot the biggest, I mean, shot a monster red stag. Um, nice. But, you know, I say all that to say, you know, I don't even know where I was going with that. 
<laughs> you um, said you only oh, let uh, yeah. Bradley touch your bow. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of rely on Bradley for a lot of that stuff. And I should know a lot more. Like some people have their weight and their arrow spine and their, you know, all their numbers and everything memorized. Um, and I, I'm probably one that's not as good at that. I kind of let him do it. And I'll, I've got it all written down on my phone. Yeah, I've got everything written down so I know what's what. Um, but, right. you know, I just, uh, I kind of let him, I rely on him for a lot of that stuff. He, he, uh, I know when I go in there, I'm going to, if he messes with my bow, it's going to be set up right. And, and, um, he's, he's the man. I mean, he's, he's awesome at, at working on bows. It's all since he was like, I think 12 years old. So wow. he knows he's a master. Okay. Good to know. I've heard a few people recommend me to, uh, to the green acres as far as, uh, um, either ordering a bow or getting it set up. So I, I do a lot of DIY, but um, not like actual setup or changing strings or something like that. So definitely cool. Yeah. I go to uh, yeah. about 15 minutes from there, 10 minutes from there. So I'm oh, over, cool. on, over on that side of town pretty, pretty often. <laughs> yeah. Go in there and mention that, you know, Ryan Boyd and, and uh, he'll probably charge you twice as much, but <laughs> no, he'll, he'll take care of you. He'll take real good care of you. That's cool. I appreciate that. Um, you know, I was going to ask you, um, which obviously some of that stuff's kind of technical and, and, you know, you said you trust him for that. But what kind of advice, you know, do you have for like a newer bow hunter, um, which I would fall in that category? Um, so, yeah, yeah so I, I've got, <laughs> I've got some, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, uh, <clears throat> I remember starting out and I, you know, I, I had a few people that helped me, but a lot of the stuff I had to learn myself over the years. And it was like making the mistakes in order to learn, you know, like with bow hunting, really with life in general, I don't think there's really wins and losses. It's wins and learning. You're winning or you're learning or you're learning through winning, but you kind of learn more in your failures because it stings a little bit more than, than, you know, a success does. Um, but for a newer bow hunter, I would say the biggest thing is, you know, aim small, miss small. And, you know, you hear a lot of people say that, but what does that mean? And, you know, I just, I, like I was, uh, my mother-in-law, I took her out um, the other day and she shot a big rifle for the first time. And it's not much different, um, you know, whether you're shooting a rifle or you're shooting a bow. But I told her, I said, we're not, I'm not, I don't want you to try to hit the red on this target. I want you to hit the center, pick a, the center spot on that red bullseye. And that's where I want you to hit. Just like the deer, you're not trying to hit the deer in the chest area. I'm trying to pick an, a hair on that deer. And I'm trying to, I want that broadhead to hit that hair on that deer. Um, you know, I think that discipline, like really having the discipline to not take shots, like don't just get out there and sling arrows. Like I tell people all the time that I, that I take hunting, I would much rather you say like lower, like even if you have to lower your jaw and say, I was not comfortable with that shot, I would much rather you pass on that than take a marginal shot and and injure the animal like there they'll always be it's not about the kill you know it's people get so wrapped up and just killing something with their bow but you know having that patience and it's easier said than done but having that patience and that discipline to i'm not gonna shot until i'm a hundred percent comfortable with it i like a slightly quarter and away shot with that front leg forward so it kind of opens that pocket that armpit to those vitals. And that's, that's what I want it to go right behind the shoulder and come out right there at the base of the neck. And typically they don't go, you know, 20 yards when you make that shot, but there's yeah. a million things, you know, you, you could, we could talk about uh, as far as kind of what to, what to do bow hunting. We could talk bow hunting all day. 
Oh, I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure there's a million ways, but I mean, I appreciate that answer because um, I've had a few shots I could take, you know, this season and I elected not to. And, um, you know, it's just trying to be, you know, mindful of taking a good shot, shot I can be confident about. And, you know, and if that doesn't work out, then it is what it is. But if I take one that I'm already second guessing before I let it go. I know I'm not going to feel good after. So, you know, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That there, you know, it's with bow hunting, it's the highest of highs and lowest of lows. And, you know, I've, I think Fred bear said, you'll learn more in a season of bow hunting than you will in a lifetime of hunting with a rifle, you know, and just when you kill something with a stick and a string, it's just hard to go back. There's just something about it. Um, and I, I absolutely love bow hunting. The other thing I would say to new bow hunters is, you know, a lot of people, like my brother-in-law, we were talking the other day and he's like, man, I just need to find some time and go out there and shoot. I haven't shot in about a month. I said, man, if you just go pick up your bow and shoot five or 10 arrows, it might, it might take you three, four or five minutes. You know, it's better to shoot that five or 10 arrows than once a week shooting for an hour or once every two weeks shooting for an hour. Cause what happens is if you're not using those muscles, you'll wear yourself out and you get tired. And all of a sudden you're developing bad muscle memory because you're shaking shaking you'll start getting wobbly and you'll start kind of you know burning those muscles out and it's better to shoot five or ten good quality arrows every day than it is like i said to shoot 100 arrows once a week or once every two weeks make sure those those arrows that you are shooting are you know you're my dad always told me it's not practice doesn't make perfect perfect practice makes perfect and so before you even shoot before you even release your first arrow make sure that your your um you know your stance and your posture and your your draw everything make sure that all your fundamentals are 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 in line make sure that those are all correct before you even worry about where your arrow is going yeah no, i love it um you know a lot of times i'll shoot five or ten shots on my lunch break you know just about every day and try to you know try to just stay stay fresh so <laughs> i appreciate it um yeah anything uh anything else you want to you wanted to mention or or get into i know uh here before too long i'm gonna get back to work and uh, i know you've uh, you've got stuff to do and all that so i want to be mindful of the time but is there anything that uh, that we skipped over or missed or didn't bring up yeah so i'm trying to think um i, I was going to ask you the same question is there yeah. anything that you think might people might want to um because i kind of talked about you know the it's a wildlife uh youtube channel that we have and my Instagram is quick catch. You know, we, it's kind of more of the day to day, like what we do. Like yesterday I was, I was in a big condominium complex. Uh, they're having an issue with pigeons and I get up there in this attic space and there's like an inch thick of pigeon poop and there's dead pigeons everywhere. And I shine the light and it kind of blinded some of the pigeons and one of them flew right into the camera. And, you know, it just, every day is different for me. So you just never know, you know, <laughs> what the day is going to look like, but that's the quick catch. Instagram is more of the day to day, but that's just, the handle is at quick catch. Okay. Yeah. You know, um, try to give you a chance to let follow you. And then we, like you said, we brought up the YouTube. So, um, what was that again? Something wild. The, uh, the yeah. YouTube channel is it's, it's a wildlife. Okay. And we started the channel about, uh, well, it's been going for a while. I got serious about it, uh, three or four years ago. And funnily enough, um, you know, my, I told you about the Lyme disease, you know, I got, I got, the long story short is I got bit by a hog July 23rd, 2015. And about a week later, all these symptoms broke loose. And what they said in a nutshell was, 
when they put me on the antibiotics for the hog bite to prevent any type of infection, it riled up the Lyme disease that had been laying dormant in my body. And so I ended up losing about, I went from 170 pounds to 133 in a matter of three months. going to die. And, you know, I've seen probably 15 to 20 doctors at least. Uh, I'm still seeing new doctors, at, you know, in the past few weeks, I've seen two or three new doctors and I haven't really gotten that many answers yet. Fixing to go to Mayo Clinic over in Jacksonville, we'll be able to find something. But anyway, it's just been a long road. And so we and I really weren't, it's hard to think about having kids when you're in such bad shape, like you can barely take care of yourself. And so even the thought of being responsible for another life was overwhelming. But we, I think I turned 33 and she turned 30. And we, I kind of looked at her and said, you know, we're not getting any younger. I, I know I'm not feeling well. I know I'm on antibiotics, but let's just give it to God and see what happens. Mm -hmm. And so we did. And it was like a month later, she got pregnant. This was right in the middle of COVID. So I couldn't go to the sonogram appointment with her. So she texts me and she says, Hey, are you available for a FaceTime call? I said, yeah, I'm driving. She said, pull over. I said, okay. All right. I'm pulled over. She said, is the vehicle turned off and in park? And I'm like, what? I'm like, uh Oh, I hope nothing's wrong. And so I said, yeah, the vehicle in park. So she FaceTimes me and her face pops up on the screen and she's got this like goofy giggly. She's just giggling, goofy giggly, like nothing I've really ever seen. And the doctor introduces himself. He walks straight over to the sonogram screen and says, Hey, this is all right. This is baby number one. This is baby number two, baby number three. Any questions? <laughs> and I, I, at first I'm like, he's kidding. But then I look at her and her eyes are big and she's just giggling and like in shock. And I go three, there's triplets. He goes, yes, sir. You're having triplets. And I remember I almost passed out. I, oh. I just like, I was spinning, you know, cause Number one, your whole life has changed in an instant, but also it went from a normal pregnancy to a high risk pregnancy, just like that. So oh, yeah. I was worried about my wife and, you know, fast forward. Now we've got three boys that are, um, you know, they're healthy. There'll be two October 22nd, just in a few weeks. And so we are scrambling, man. We are busy. It's like my life's like a dumpster fire, but it's just a huge blessing and it's a wild life. I mean, you couldn't have scripted this <laughs> any better. <laughs> It's that's just crazy. crazy. So yeah. Oh man, that's wow. Awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. Uh, you know, I feel like my life is just absolutely nuts, and I have a you know a three year old and a one year old. So I can't even you know three babies at once. That would just be insane. <laughs> but that's it awesome. is. I tell people, you know, you you can't have you can't live without water. You know, water is vital, and you got to have it. But if you're not careful, it can also drown you. <laughs> so, so it's like man it's like we left the peanut butter out and there's just toddlers everywhere when everywhere you uh, look yeah exactly man I can, I can only imagine i mean like i said you know with a three-year-old and a, and a one one and a half year old i feel like it everything's always a mess and sticky and everything else <laughs> yeah yeah and you got your hands full man and you, when you go from one to like one baby is a lot one one toddler is a lot and two toddlers is, is huge but when you go from one baby to multiples like twins it's not twice as hard it's like 10 times as hard right. and then when you have 10 of them like i said they're just they're everywhere and they're getting into everything and you can't do any of the things you used to do like i, I tried to open the trash can this morning there's a lock on it you know because before we put the lock on it my you know caden our i guess you call him our middle one he was like 30 seconds after the first born right but he he always he'll 
like grab stuff and put it in the trash can and you don't know what's in there and things go missing you look down and it's buried in the trash can so we there's locks on everything and it's just it's awesome you know it's just non-stop non-stop it's wild but i know it's it's a blessing so that's that's awesome it is all right man well we'll we'll close out with that you know we'll leave everybody um you know scared of having triplets and uh and all that but no we got in some uh, some good deer hunting talk before that i really appreciate you taking the time man yeah and if anybody does want to come hunt with us they can um it's we're legacy ranch that's the name of our ranch and uh the website is legacy ranch fl like florida legacy ranch fl.com um feel free to give us a call if anything we'll talk hunting okay yeah absolutely definitely appreciate you mentioning that in case anybody wants to uh check out some of those uh deer you got down that way that's awesome man i appreciate it yeah thank you thanks for having appreciate being on thanks so much for listening i just want to say thank you once again to everyone for following and listening along hope everyone has great success this hunting season i'm going to get out a few times this week so i'm hoping to uh, connect with a deer first deer with a bow that's my goal so y'all root for me i appreciate it but i just want to say thank you once again to ryan for joining us really enjoyed talking with him really appreciate his perspective on keeping priorities straight when it comes to hunting great stuff a great reminder so let's uh, get out there this week take care of what we got to take care of but uh, if we get a chance let's get out there and hunt hunt hard enjoy it um whether we're hunting or not good day uh, good week always a good day to uh put a few shots to the bow and uh stay sharp so let's get out there and uh, have an awesome week hope everybody uh um, just has a cold front coming your way and big bucks on their feet so i'm uh I'm hoping to see some awesome pictures on Instagram as I already have. So hope you guys have a great week. As always, honor God, work hard, have fun, and keep hunting.